into the party wagon and hold on to your pizza. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Epic Tales from the Sewers. I am your host, Justin. This is an excerpt from a uh, meeting that I had this past year at C2E2 in Chicago. I was invited to be part of an all-press panel for Kevin Eastman, and uh, this is going to be the recording from that. Um, I did show up just a little bit late because they changed the rooms on us, so as we were walking in, everybody had already sat down at the table. So the funny thing is I actually pulled up a seat right next to Kevin and put down the uh, voice recorder. So what you're going to hear is going to be a little bit different audio than you're normally hearing but uh please bear with it there's some pretty cool questions that you can hear and they range from everywhere from the last ronin to what's happening in the lost years to you know why was the original nintendo game so difficult so all of that stuff so enjoy um you'll hear me i'm probably the second to last question just because we went around the table and then i wasn't sitting at the table i actually pulled a chair up next to kevin so uh you know, that was kind of fun, but it's uh, it's a great little uh, thing. So check out this mini episode and I appreciate you listening. Thanks, everybody. And we'll catch you next time. Epic Tales from the Sewers. So I've been loving Last Ronin. And you've introduced, like in the last Ronin 2, you've introduced the new turtles. Is there, like after this series is done, you going to try to keep going with them or anything? Yeah, no, it's a great question. It was, it was something that we didn't intend to initially, based on the original idea that Pete and I wrote for Last Ronin in 1987, and when Tom and I adapted it and expanded it and what became the, the graphic novel that came out last year, the series and the, and the graphic novel that came out, we, as we started getting into issue one, we fell in love with the Roninverse, we call mm-hmm. it, you know, rather quickly, and so we had this idea of um, um, continuing to have adventures in, you know, every character has a multiverse these days, in fact, even... <laughs> You know, it's been existed long before the Turtles, and back in the day we had Turtles Black and White comics as one universe. We had the animated series as another universe, the cartoons and the movies, which are almost a separate universe. <clears throat> so as part of the multiverse of the Turtles, um, we wanted to keep going <clears throat> and tell stories in that um, in that area. And so we came up with this idea to create more Turtles, four new Turtles, two males, two females. Um, and right now we just finished writing... Um, what will be called Re-Evolution when it comes out, but it'll be Last Ronin Part 2. Um, okay. So it'll come out later this year. Awesome. Yeah, that's super fun. Thanks. Yeah, so right now we're doing, you know, Lost Years. Which yeah. is, and Lost Years was the, uh, it's a really fun series that covers, in within that Roniverse, the period where Michelangelo goes to Japan in issue 4, finds out what happened to Splinter Donatello, just starts walking. Mm-hmm. And it's a 16-year journey, which brings him back to the last, uh, last Ronin issue 1. So that's the Lost Years. So that's the sort of the prequel part of Lost Years. And the sequel part of Lost Years is because uh, each issue takes place three years apart. So we're seeing the new turtles at age three in issue one, age six in issue two, age nine. And so okay. by the time we get to issue five, they'll be 15 years old, and that'll take us right into Lost Ronin. Oh, perfect. So. That's exciting. <laughs> it's very exciting. We're having a really, really good time. And that's, um, um, you know, the greatest part I like about working with the team I have, Tom Waltz in particular, is uh, all story first, and we really, we took about six months, seven months, just to make sure we sort the story we like yeah. for that one. So, hope you like it. Oh, I'm, I'm loving it so far. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sir. All right, so are there any characters that you may have fleshed out a bit over the years but never got to use, and if so, can you tell us a little bit about them? There's the lesser-known Picasso turtle, kind of a deranged cousin that we never... No, there's... Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
No, what was what was really fun about the early development of the turtles is one of the first licenses we did before any any cartoons or any toys was we did the role playing game, which was in 1985. Um, and the coolest part about the role-playing game is we needed to develop all kinds of characters um, um, for, you know, uh, the gameplay. So there was all kinds of different mutants, everything from Bebop and Rocksteady in the earliest stages to a lot of other characters that um, then populated the, the ongoing Turtle series as well as some of the cartoon shows and things like that. And there were a couple in there that I really liked that we never got to explore. And I think the main one was um, mainly because we thought we'd get our butt suit off was... Uh, and the first role-playing game we had um, cast of characters called the Terror Bears, which is basically <laughs> the, the, the Care Bears, but with little horror images on them. <laughs> so, um, we never pursued that one, but then I thought that would be, that would be a fun one. Um, it's still in the game. I know it's... <laughs> thank you. Yes, sir. First off, nine-year-old me wants to thank you for your creation. I mean, seriously, it meant the world. It was the last toy that I got into as a child. So it went from Transformers to Turtles, and that was it. So my parents, they don't want to thank you because I, they had to buy every toy for me. <laughs> so they're still a little bit upset with you. Um, C2E2, I'm talking with my friends, and of course, Turtles come up in the hotel room as we're having a few beers. Mm -hmm. We're talking about like the new Rogan movie coming out, and mm -hmm. we're like, you know, we're excited for it, but we're like, man, you know, that's for the kids. Like, what about us adults? <laughs> so we're like, man, is there any plans for like a t like the last Ronin, either live action or animated? Mm -hmm. You know, or like, man, Netflix. You know, like, I would love to see this adapted. Like, it's a great story, and I know, like. If the story's good enough, it's going to sell the books, too. Sure. I mean, you look at what's happened with the boys, and it's just like that's blown oh, up. Serious, and, yeah. You know, James Gunn can mention any movie that he's making, and then all of a sudden they sell out of the trade paperback. So, I mean, I think that it would be fantastic to see it live action or animated. Thank you. No, it's funny, the, and, I, and it comes up a lot, especially the a lot of the fans that come through my line uh, around your age that you know grew up on the Turtles, so I make sure to say, Thank you. I say thank you, and then if your parents are still with us, thank them. Because back in the early days of doing signings, it would be the um, you know eight or nine year old you and a very disgruntled parent behind there going, <laughs> "You know how much money I spent on those stupid Ninja Turtles, um, or spent a Christmas Eve trying to put together the sewer playset to keep that <laughs> keep that blimp inflated." My dad wanted to pop that blimp. I know. Terrible. I stepped on Leonardo's sword on the way to the restroom. I knew in the middle of it. Um, but no, so thank them, please, and thank you. And uh, um, it was just interesting that just last Friday they announced that uh, last round in video game that they have been working on RPG. Um, no, uh, um, a full-on uh, uh, console game. Okay. Probably console. Yeah. So they they've been talking about um, they really fell in love with last round in. And again, embracing the, the the multiverse of turtles. Like Seth Rogen's been working for almost three years now on his younger version of the turtles, which looks really funny, by the way. Uh, I've not seen much of it, and I'm excited to sit in the theater and see it uh, for the first time. But uh, it looks great. But they um, didn't want to, as they sort of put everything into that concept. Um, they didn't want to confuse it and start something with Last Ronin too, because it's pretty edgy. So I think they felt the best way to. Uh, to move forward with it was as a game and, and embrace the fan base that way. So we're gonna keep our fingers crossed. Though. Hopefully, it'll still. <laughs> I get Robert Rodriguez or somebody to do it. But thank you. So we do a lot of comics. 
but we also do more movies than comics. Yeah. So our audience is nuts. Yes. So with the upcoming movie, which audience would be more or would enjoy it? Would it be the comic audience or the movie board audience? It's, it's, I'm glad you brought it because it is very specific. Um, and even um, uh, my son, our son, uh, Shane, is a huge fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but has never read any of the comics. And our house is, as you can imagine, filled to the floor to ceiling in every room with comics and graphic novels. And, you know, Dad, Thanos this and Thanos that. And I go, you want to read the original Jim Stalin? No. Um, so I think it's... Um, what I found in, 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 in this time is uh, this kind of concept. It's a little of both in that you have some fans that um, uh, have only seen the movies um, and, and, and we'll, we'll see it for that. But it is the original fan base and it's a very precious fan base because um, if there's a misstep too far to the left or right, like the Michael Bay movies weren't quite what they, in my opinion, what they could have been or should have been. Um, they didn't embrace enough of the concept of what made... The turtles. Um, what we liked about the turtles, and what you liked about the turtles, you know, they were, un, you know, they're Peter Parker and you know mutations, and uh, and so I think that's going to be a, a little bit of both, because they want to um, protect their childhood, they want to enjoy it, they want to be entertained, and so I think that um, with with this one they will, but it'll be a foot in both you know, in both worlds. Good question. Okay. Right, so you talked a little bit about the new four turtles that are coming up in the lost years that we're, we're seeing come up. Um, the original four are so iconic at this point. Yes. Like, did you feel any pressure as you were like, we're going we're gonna to replace them with this new generation? Or, or like, just how did you go about developing those characters? I'm still sweating, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a very, um, it was a very delicate thing, and, and, and I had to approach it very carefully in that um, it, um, you don't want to force it, and that's and that, that was one of the things. Like, you know, I liked. I mentioned Tom Waltz, and Tom and I wrote um, and worked on 100 issues of the Turtles um, at IDW from 2011 to <clears throat> 21, and then still involved in that and all things in the Turtles comic universe. And then we teamed up on um, on Last Ronin, and you know, just the concept of approaching how to kill your original characters, um, and we killed in the flashbacks of how they 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 um, we needed there situations resolved in Last Ronin, um, all of them, to make it, to, to have the world uh, continue on. So in, in thinking about the turtles, it was, you know, you immediately go to Planet Stupid, which is like, oh, we'll name them after famous scientists or famous rock stars or something, or there'll be this, you know, and, and that's when you start crossing all that stuff off the list early, and we talk about it a lot, and we let the story naturally evolved of what kind of personalities they would be. Um, we decided to make them different species of turtles so they would have stronger and more distinct personalities. We wanted two male, two female, um, um, and their attributes would be more, um, and, their, and their isms, because uh, it's still set in 2055-ish. Um, uh, so the kinds of things that they're going to be used to and acclimated to in, in, in not stereotypical form of a personality, but those still personalities would be strong. Um, things like the names, uh, when we arrived at the names, it was it was something that, um, again, we talked about for months, and you couldn't force it. And what I loved is that um, Casey Marie, the daughter of um, Casey Jones and, and April, is uh, been given Splinter's Journal. She's training the turtles um, to be ninjas and, and all things. Um, 
uh, and she ends up naming them, and it wasn't just made up names like, oh, Bob or Susan. Um, she wanted them to keep special and embrace each of them, and so each of the turtles' name is um, number one in a different language. So Odin uh, is uh, Ukrainian slash Russian for number one. Uno uh, Moja is uh, Swahili, I think, for number one. It's South African. Um, Yi is Chinese for number one. So she basically tells them, you're all number one in my heart. So she names them all number one. So that was months of thinking. And we feel, you know, you get goosebumps. You go, okay, we have it because it's justified and it works and it makes sense and, and, it, and it works as a story. And that's, and that's what we'll build off because we're figuring out the personalities and figuring them out as we as we move forward. So, yes, thank you. thank you. So the last few years, there seems to have been an increase in the desire for nostalgia, the nostalgia of youth, the nostalgia of what was, and that is part and parcel because of the pandemic, because we were all indoors, and yep. so we were going back to the things that we loved and made our childhood sparkle, candy was better, toys were better, cartoons were amazing. Was the timing of the release of Last Roman purposeful, or did it just happen to be, this is the way the pendulum fell? And what are your thoughts on that renewed interest in the nostalgia, especially with fresh audiences finding the turtles with the comics and the movie coming up and the game? Yeah, no, great question. And it, is, and it was, the timing was just, honestly, just complete happenstance. It was just a, an accident that we, it was when we, Peter and I did the original um, 20 page, 25 page outline of the concept of uh, became uh, Last Run, and it was done in 1987 and it was set in 30 years in the future. And when Tom and I were, um, and so we, and the reason we came up with that concept was we had just finished issue 11 and it was wrapping up a big story arc. And so we like, okay, where do we go from here? And so we said, well, let's set a, a story that's 30 years in the future, kind of be a lighthouse to navigate towards um, the final turtle story. Um, but then we never got to it. Um, that year is when the, 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 the toys started developing, the animated series started developing, and it just got pushed aside, pushed aside, and was never addressed. And so as Tom and I were heading towards issue 100, um, we arrived at the same situation. Well, we're at issue 100, we've wrapped up a 100-issue storyline. <clears throat> Where do we go from here? And that's when I dusted out. And it was already 2018, so it was a year past the original <laughs> when the original story was, was set. Um, and that's what we then uh, adapted it. So um, the timing was just naturally it just evolved as it has evolved. Um, but the nostalgia thing is, is very curious because I do think it um, is in part um, because of some of the pandemic. I think we were shut in. We were reading old books or comics or watching old movies or, you know, just very concerned about what the future is going to be and, you know, remember the happiest times in the past to get us through some of these difficult times. Um, but I've been lucky in that um, um, a lot of the shows that my wife and I do all over the world, um, and we're so grateful to be able to do that, is that most of the people in our line are the original eight, nine, ten-year-old young people that enjoyed them initially. And we've had everything from um, bringing up dog-eared, chewed-up toys that they have you sign, which is the coolest thing ever, to beat up comic books that the staples aren't even barely holding together. And what's even more mind-blowing is when they come up with their kids um, uh, who have discovered the turtles, because I always say you can't tell a child what's cool and what's not. And the fact that the kids have found something in the turtles that they, they love and embrace is like, Mind-blowing. It's pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. So it's, it's uh, 40 years next year, and I'm still doing it. It's crazy. Thank you. Yes. When doing crossover episode, well, series such as like the one with Batman, Power Rangers, and stuff, like how much input do you actually have? And also, 
what crossover would you like to do that hasn't been done yet? Great question. And, uh, um, and, and some of it's um, more and some of it's less. And, for example, the, um, when Tom and I worked on that Ghostbuster turtle crossover, we, we were more involved in that with huge Ghostbuster fan. It was really fun. Um, with the Batman series, I had actually pitched DC to uh, I have a uh, childhood... Um, oh, somebody's at my door. Um, <laughs> I just got the same location. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, the, uh, um, that's too funny. Um, with the... Uh, with the Batman Turtle crossover, I'd actually pitched another idea to them. I like this character, DC Jack Kirby character named Commandy. And they said, well, nobody knows what Commandy is. Why don't you do Turtles Batman? And we like, didn't know that was on the table. you know. <laughs> um, and they brought in the most incredible James Tinian uh, who wrote it. And he's such a fantastic writer. He's great. Something is killing the children. He's just mind-blowing. He just did a fantastic series. And my good friend Freddie Williams was the artist that brought up the series. And... They did such a great job. It was, you know, they did three series, but that was um, one of the big fan moments for me to, because I got to do the variant covers. And I very, I didn't have any input on it. it was, you know, it's James Tinney. I was like, you know, he, he's, you got it, bro. And, uh, um, uh, and when I was doing the, the, the cover with Turtles and Batman on the same cover, and I'm thinking they're not even going to print this. This is not really going <laughs> to. Um, but it was what a joy. And so uh, to answer your last question is. Uh, Daredevil Turtles would be the ultimate crossover. Makes a lot of sense. Thanks. <laughs> uh, with Venus making her comic book appearance last year, why yep. was that important at that time? It was, you know, it's it's something that um, when I worked on the um, originals live action series that introduced the original Venus back in '97, um, it was an idea that started as a um, uh, adding a fifth turtle named Kirby in a fourth live-action New Line movie um, that then was not that was dropped, and then we started developing uh, a new TV series, and it was still this fifth turtle that was sort of washed further down the sewer and that stuff, and um, uh, developed that. And then at the last minute, Margaret left. She was head of programming, decided to change it to she wanted to change it to a, a female turtle, which you know, huge. Ripley, Sarah Connor, you know, I love strong female characters. And uh, so it was like, yeah, that'd be great. Peter wasn't as keen on it, so he sort of stepped away and I worked on that series. Um, it wasn't uh, a huge hit for the fans, um, but I really liked the series. Um, when Tom and I got into the um, combo series, around the time we got to issue 50, one of the ideas that we kept coming back to is we wanted to add a, a female turtle to the mix. So when we introduced Jenica in issue 51, um, she then became, not intentionally at first, but then became a catalyst in, in the character that we were able to evolve into becoming um, uh, Jenica as the, in issue 95. And then Sophie Campbell, who's just a wonderful writer and an important part of the turtle history, um, she always loved Venus, and so she wanted to bring it back in this way that was important to um, um, the storyline uh, as almost like a Sally from... Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas sort of creation by this this kind of maniacal doctor, and so uh, it was a neat, interesting version. And she's going to be coming back in a bunch. So, but I'm really thrilled that she found the right story to bring that character back in the way she did. Awesome, thank you. Awesome, thank you. yes, sir. Uh, hello, neighbor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we yeah, both got a, we both got a piece of delivery at the same time. Yeah. Um, first of all, uh, again, thank you for uh, like. 
I don't know a life. I'll be 40 next year also, so I don't yep. know a life without Ninja Turtles. So, <laughs> so this is actually really dope for me. Thank uh, you. Two questions. Uh, first question is, um, you talked about the video games. Uh, I want to know who made this game and why did they make it so hard? Uh, <laughs> it was one of those things that I've, I've never, to this day, I've never beat it. And, uh, and, and, but it was in the early day when this first came out, like people would, would literally come up to us at Pete and I at a convention and go, you know, <laughs> why did you make this game so hard? Um, and we're like, I can't even run my, you know, VCR. Um, <laughs> um, but no, it was it was kind of a, a strange thing, and, and that was one of the first evolutions of that console, the PS1, that whole console system, where so much you couldn't save, you couldn't stop and save the game at any point, you had to start at the beginning every time, and it was like, uh, I was so grateful when they finally came out with the arcade game, because then you could, something I could play, yeah, but then you yeah. could also play with you know, three of your other friends, which is great, but um, they, they kind of... The evolution of like Turtles in Time and some of the other games that they came after was great, but man, that was a, was a pain in the ass. It was a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> it was a huge pain in the ass. I'm glad I could personally tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? They just last year they came out with um, they call it the Cowabunga Collection, which yeah. is um, all the games and all the versions. <laughs> and that was one of the things that the developers, when I talked to them, uh, they said that they made it. Uh, th this version is updated and it's got a save feature. Good. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, not only am I a huge Ninja Turtles fan and have been since I was a kid, but also a huge Power Rangers fan. I'm kind of pegging back off to the crossovers. Um, Power Rangers celebrating 30 years this year, Ninja Turtles celebrating 40, and uh, you did the cover for uh, the first Ninja Turtles Power Rangers crossover comic, and now you're doing all the variants for the second series with Freddie Williams. So um, how do you feel about that series and these two Iconic, long-lasting long superhero franchises coming together like this. It's awesome. I really, really have been enjoying it. We actually even going back to that original live-action Venus series. Um, one of the specials that we did during the, that yeah. live-action was we did a Turtles crossover right. live-action version, which was really fun. Um, but no, it's it's that nostalgia thing, as as mentioned earlier. That it's, it's really wonderful. Those characters are, are iconic, um, and you know they're you know. Um, we battled for ratings many, many years, and, and it was hit that same tonality that our fans uh, love. And so the fact that you know you got guys like Dan Mora who's here yeah. just killing it with the artwork, and um, uh, Jason, the, the, uh, I enjoy the series very much. Not only just as a being a fan of both of them and seeing them together, but um, um, it amazes me that when these incredibly talented young people come up with a fresh idea and something that you. You know, just you think every idea has been explored, yeah. and there's there's no way that they can come up with something else. They come up with something else, and it's even cooler than what they've done before. So, it's it's really been a, a treat for me in, in doing those. And plus, getting to work with Freddie on those covers is, is, a, is a hoot. So, yeah, very really cool. Thanks. Okay. Oh, thank you. Yes, because oh, yeah, I'm signing at eleven, right? So thank you so much. Appreciate it. And I'm having a great time sitting with you guys. So we'll get to as many questions as we can, but thank you. Thanks. Um, sure. Two quick questions. Do you have any uh, plans for future collaboration with Stan Sakai? can work with Stan every day for the rest of my life. Um, he's not only the coolest guy in comics, the nicest guy in comics, and uh, we're doing <coughs> the new series now, uh, the, the, the um, Will Wen story, which would be a five-issue series. I'm doing covers for him. And he wants to do another one, <clears throat> but um, Stan also, as you know, probably uh, for sure, is um, 
Turtle Issue 1 came out in May of 84, and the first appearance of Yusagi was um, in uh, Critters Number 2 in November of 84. Um, and I always love telling this story because that's how we first met Stan, is we would go to conventions, and they'd, they'd go, okay, funny animal guys, we've got a couple tables next to the bathrooms. So you guys are over there. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, they put everybody else there, and then you know, put us over in the corner next to, like, Flaming carrot guy and you know that stuff. Um, but we, we had to, that's where we got to meet Stan and hang out. And uh, and Yusagi was uh, very early on. We did crossovers and then we're lucky enough to bring him in um, to the Trolley universe. Not only as a toy and cartoon, but also preserve. And we wouldn't have done it any other way. Um, like Dave uh, Garcia's PandaCon and other ones, um, that they retained full ownership. They became part of our universe and had some success in that. But, they retain their own, but yeah, Stan's, Stan's the great. So there's going to be more to come. Excellent. Um, real quick, though, uh, sure. Daredevil uh, turtle crossover, what would that look like? You know, I've, I've got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'm, no joke, and it's like, I'm not going to tell you, um, unfortunately, but no, I, I literally have a story idea I wrote in 1988. And it's something I want to do, and it makes sense, and it, and it fits together, and uh, um, it's one of those things that Freddie and I, because uh, Freddie and I are really good friends, and it, it's it's funny. I love Freddie because the first time I met him, he goes, "We're going to be best friends because we're birthdays are on the same day, May 30th." Um, and as oddly enough, we turn out to be really good friends. Um, but so we've been talking about this idea of sort of dusting off and doing it. But it's it's a matter of um, right now um, we're still pretty surprised by the success of. Um, and very grateful, as you can imagine, the success of Last Ronin and, and the development of um, you know we really want to keep to the Keep a focus on finishing lost years and um, and then starting last run in two, and that's uh, that focus. But that's you know I'm I'm having a blast, and I got my first general cover. Did you see that? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, forty years later, you know, yeah. the stack of rejection letters, Marvel. It's like don't give up your day job, Marvel. Um, but, <laughs> but now, Best day job in the multiverse. I don't see. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to stay in the pizza parlor. Uh, um, but no, it's, it's been great. So, um, thanks. Do we got a time for another one or two? Or? Yeah. Gonna do this, do this gentleman, then you. Okay. And then. Hi, Justin. Evan Kale from the Sewers Podcast. Uh, nice to see you. Congratulations on Thank the you. Daredevil um, cover. That was what I was going to say first. Thank you very much. There was a series in the 90s called Legend of the Dark Knight Batman. It was yep. non-canonical. It was all these little vignettes and stories, not quite as Elseworlds. Yeah. But what about the idea for something like that in IDW where they have bring in all these great artists, you know, people like Mike Ruth or, or Gavin Smith, even though he's doing other stuff. I love Gavin Smith. And you get these guys in there to do these these stories that are just small, self contained, like yeah. Turtle Soup when that came out. Is that something that is at all on the table? That would be something I'd love. And it is something that, you know, because um, even you know, for Peter I in the early days, um, it came out as a nice collection and Ultimate Collection Volume 6 was all the short stories. Anytime we did a reprint of Turtles, we would include a new backup, which was some of the Mirage artists, Mike Dooney and Mark Bodie and, and, and uh, um, Ryan Brown and all those guys. Um, and I love the short story format because you could really you know, dip into an idea and have a blast and get out quickly. And, um, um, but I know that there has, we, we just finished an editorial session um, last week and talking about a number of things that we want to pursue on the publishing side, uh, and that was one that did come up because everybody's um, enjoyed the success of, as I have, um, you know, the, the black, white, and red or black, white, and blood series. And they were talking about doing a black, white, and green maybe or something with the turtles, but it's still, but that would be to me, I, I, I think that 
it's always fun to me to see what another artist, writer, sees in the characters and what they want, kind of story that they want to tell. That's inspiring, and if it's really good, I take credit for it, and if it's not... <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you take any credit for uh, the idea of the Stranger Things comic book that's coming up? Stranger Things crossover? No, it was... Incredible? That was... <laughs> That was just a crazy idea that they, because Playmates approached us about doing a turtle uh, package, uh, like the Cobra Kai or the, the um, uh, Karate Kid crossover series, Cobra Kai crossover toy series. Uh, Stranger Things came up because it kind of fell on the sign. Fell, uh, the early Stranger Things took place in 84, around that time. And so um, I've not seen any material on that, but I'm curious to see what it is. So I think one more, we got good? And then we might have to. Did you really oh, buy a change? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. I've always wondered. Yes. Did you drive it? Oh yeah, yeah. It was a. Um, in short, it was a. Uh, I was a big fan of a. I liked a lot of the war comics, and when I was growing up, uh, Sergeant Rock and Sergeant Fury, and so many of these things. And there was one um, called uh, the Haunted Tank, which was uh, this tank crew that had a, a M15A Stuart light tank, and one of, and, and so one time I was in Hollywood working on something. And this company that provides military vehicles for uh, movies, um, um, I said, hey, you got a M15A Stuart light tank? And he goes, yeah. And I go, you do? How much? $35,000. And I'm like, I'll buy what? <laughs> I, I, I turtle money. <laughs> Back in the day. So it was actually, it's, it was in, served in 1945 in World War II, and it was brought here and it was used in, uh, last used on camera in uh, the Red Dawn movie. Ooh. The original Red Dawn movie. Go over, you know, the red, original Red Dawn movie. And then, um, and yeah, you could drive it. It's a twin Cadillac uh, engines and it ran like a bulldozer, you know, you're breaking wow. some treads. And you said, <laughs> at a place in Massachusetts, you used to drive it around, scare the neighbors. <laughs> so I know you, I promise you one last question. We'll do that and we'll wrap up. Okay. Actually, two quick ones. Okay, sure. All right, two quick ones. So it was mentioned earlier about the um, big fan of Jenica. Thank you. Could we, could we perhaps be seeing more team-ups with them, possibly in the book on their own sometime in the future? There's, there's definitely been a discussion uh, on, on doing that, and I think it's um, um, it's just bandwidth. Um, not like we don't want to um, burden the creative people that are working on it, but also the fans. You know, you guys are... You know, we want to make sure that the, the stuff we're delivering is these comics aren't cheap these days, and you know, and it's um, so it's it's just sort of managing it that you know makes sure one the stories are good and two that you know it, it, it's on a fashion that uh, you know it still bothers me to a certain extent. There's uh, I think there's a few too many variant covers going on these days, and you know, especially for the you know there's people that just want the book for the book, and then there's the collectors which we love them dearly, and uh, just it's 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 a lot. So. Yep. So we're all talking about scholarship and get out and work on, on ranges and turtles as well. Um, and I hope you haven't been asked already. But have you thought about how it all ends? I am in no way advocating this. <laughs> <laughs> have you thought about when I'm, when I'm done, I'm done, what's that final battle going to look like? Well, the final vision I have, and I was joking with somebody about this, it's like, um, is uh, on my gravestone, it's going to be, you say, like, Kawabanga, then there'll be, like, a, a hand reaching out with a Sharpie as, he's, as I'm signing my own gravestone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be, I'll be at a convention, and I'll be like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to try to beat Stan Lee. You know, Stan Lee was still doing it, what, 90? 
Yeah. Anyway, um, but no, it's it's you know it's a good question. That's a great one to end on because it's a uh, you have to go back to the concept that we never thought would sell the three thousand copies we printed of issue one. The fact that forty years later, next year, May of uh, uh, two thousand twenty-four, it will be forty years that we put that first issue out, and the fact that I'm here talking to you guys about turtles and talking about still new turtle ice <coughs> mind blowing. That's pretty. It's quite humbling, to be honest. It's pretty awesome. It's a childhood dream, and I've, I've, I've drawn, I was drawing comics last week before I came here, and when I get home tomorrow night, I've got two covers, too. I'll be back on the drawing board tomorrow night. It was humbling to me. Ah, thank you, guys. appreciate you guys. So. I think you're going to have any time to We don't. I mean, I know we're, we're on at 11, right, Mike? It's pizza time. And now, in a segment that we call Pizza Time, where we discuss any Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle or pizza-related food, I give you pizza time. Now for your pizza time of the day, I give you pepperoni and sweet pickle pie. This makes one 12-inch pizza. Pepperoni and pickles are the perfect mashup of salty and sweet, chewy and crisp. Want to go all out savory? Swap the bread and butter pickles for dill slices instead. Then get ready to do some serious damage to this delectable pie. Ingredients. Cornmeal or flour for dusting. Extra virgin olive oil for greasing. One pound ball pizza dough, homemade or store-bought. Two-thirds cup of New York-style pizza sauce. Three-quarters cup shredded low-moisture mozzarella cheese. 22 to 24 pepperoni slices. And one-half to one cup bread-and-butter pickle chips. Lighten it up, dudes. Use whole wheat pasta or whole wheat pizza dough instead in low-fat mozzarella. Instructions. On a a pizza baking stone or steel pizza peel, Place your baking stone in the middle rack of the oven with preheat to 500 degrees Fahrenheit for at least 30 minutes. Then turn the oven to broil. Dust the pizza peel or inverted baking sheet with cornmeal or flour. On a baking sheet, preheat the oven to 500 degrees Fahrenheit with a rack in the middle position. Lightly coat with a heavy-duty rimmed baking sheet with olive oil. Step 1. Stretch or roll the dough into a 12-inch disc and place it on the prepared pizza peel or baking sheet. Step 2. Spoon the sauce on onto the dough and spread it out in an even layer, leaving one half inch border for the dough all around. Step three, sprinkle on half the cheese and then arrange the pepperoni and pickles on top. Finish with the remaining cheese. Step four, shimmy the dough from the peel to the hot baking stone or transfer the baking sheet to the oven. Step five, bake until the crust is golden, the cheese begins to brown in spots, about six to 10 minutes in the baking stone or 10 to 15 minutes on the baking sheet. Step six, Remove the pizza from the oven, let it rest for five minutes, then slice and serve. This has been your pizza time for the day. Pepperoni and sweet pickle pie. Cowabunga, dudes! Thank you for listening to the Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. This podcast has no affiliation with Eastman, Laird, Mirage Studios, IDW Studios, Archie Comics, or Nickelodeon Studios. This podcast is a member of the Dorkening Podcast Network. Check out thedorkening.com for other podcasts. Epic Tales from the Sewers is recorded by Justin Cooper and Eric Will. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. We all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. 
<laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. It took me 10 years to make the perfect man cave. And then we took it over. And we made it into the multiversal chamber. Then I started my own podcast. And we took that over too. And we're the co-host, the Multiverse Kids. Yeah, and I'm the dad, the geeky dad. And every week, we what? We review the movies, shows, and books. Games and toys. Yeah. And sometimes we even have a special guest. So, join us every week on the Geeky Dad Podcast. Greetings and Shabibans. We are the Retro Reductopus Cephala Podcast, a long-form bi-weekly show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. Well, that sounds good, but I don't know what all those words mean. I think what Parasite seems trying to say is that on Retro Reductopus, we explore a range of retro goodness, from toys, video games, and movies, to cartoons, and even snacks and school lunches. Oh. And we do it all with a positive spin, a slew of killer guests, and some <clears throat> very adult language. And you know what else is cool? No. This crazy show is part of the Dorking Podcast Network with new episodes every technical Tuesday. What's that? And if waiting two weeks for a new episode gives you a sad, know that we drop bonus episodes all the time, like the off-format Crow's Nest and an interview series we call The Brick. You can listen to Retro Redoctopus on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any app that's cool enough to carry the only show that celebrates all the things that make growing up awesome. Hey, it's your man, Velvet J. Come join me and my co-hosts on our weekly journey through the world of comic books on the Splash Pages Comic Book Club podcast. We'll explore new stories, even have guests like the Empress of the Bat, Legacy Athena Finger, voiceover artist Charlie Schlatter, actor Mitchell Whitfield, comic creators Joe St. Pierre and Tony Harris. Explore dork-related news and updates from the world of comics and collectibles. Where can you check us out? We are live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on YouTube or streaming on deaddorkradio.com wherever you find your favorite dorkening podcast. <laughs> Hello, intrepid listeners. This is the Generation Playlist Podcast, a podcast about music where we are your guides through a particular group or artist. We talk about the music, and then we make a customized playlist to share with you, our listeners. And you can check us out wherever you listen to podcasts and find our playlists on Spotify. 